Our reading from the New Testament comes from the Gospel according to John chapter 19. The Gospel according to John chapter 19, verses 16 through 30. Let us listen to God's word for us. So they took Jesus and carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side with Jesus between them. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. Then the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took, him, took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic. Now, the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who will get it. This was to fulfill what the scripture says. They divided my clothes among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. And that is what the soldiers did. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to his disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his own home. After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, In order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Spirit of God, come in these moments, come through all the noises around us and the sounds and the distractions. And open our hearts and open our minds and our understanding so that we can hear these old words in a new way. That we can hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah of God, in whose name we pray. Amen. So following our congregational Lenten study on the seven words on the cross, this moment we pause a few moments at the following verses. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the, the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. So far this time in Lent, brothers and sisters, we spend time at the cross. We spend time more specifically by 
listening again to the words of Jesus from the cross. Last week, we spent time at the cross where Jesus said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The time when a new chapter began for God's people as Jesus gave up his life for us. This morning we are back, once more at the foot of the cross. This time, according the story according to John, with women who were gathered to be closer to Jesus as he died. And it seems to be an easy text. Yet there are a few challenges in these two verses. The first challenge is to find out how many women were at the cross. Can you help me how many women were at the cross? Hmm. Are there two, three, or four women in the story? We read near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Did John, in other words, point out that there were two pairs of women, in other words, four women present? Mary, the mother of Jesus, not named, and a sister and two other women who were both called Mary. Did John point out that the mother of Jesus, whose name we know, was there with his sister, who is Mary, the wife of Clopas, and with them were Mary Magdalene. Gives us three people. But that would leave us with two sisters called Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary, a sister, which would be unlikely. Or were the mother of Jesus and the sister there? And that John made a mistake and named the mother of Jesus Mary of Clopas and her sister Mary Magdalene, in other words, two women. When you read these two verses, I hope you find out that confusion rules. <laughs> what were the names of the women at the cross when Jesus died? In Mark, where we spent most of our time so far, Mark chapter 15, we read about the women who were looking on from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James the Younger, and of Joseph and Salome. And Matthew tells us in chapter 27 that many women were also there, looking on from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee and had provided for him. Among them were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. So who were really at the cross, if you want to have a factual report of that? What is the relationship of the list of women in John to these women that we find in the other two Gospels? Sometimes I, I think that we hope that the same women should be present in all the Gospels. You see, we expect to find Mary, the mother of Jesus, but we find her only named in John's story. Mary Magdalene is the only one that is in all the stories. So this leaves us with two women who are expressly named by John. The easiest way our brothers and sisters would be to identify Mary of Clopas as Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. And the unnamed sisters of the mother of Jesus could then be Salome was mentioned by Mark and the unnamed mother of the sons of Zebedee in Matthew chapter 27. 
And many expositors like this last explanation, and I know you lost it, but they like this explanation, <clears throat> because this makes John and James, the sons of Zebedee, the cousins of Jesus, makes it also easier to, to identify the beloved disciple. Maybe this disciple who appears in the middle of, the, of John's gospel was John. And John and Jesus were cousins. And if this is true, then we can make sense of the scene where Jesus commits his mother to the beloved disciple who would then be his cousin. Except it's not as clear as that. <laughs> you see, we plainly speculate when, uh, about the women when we try to identify them as Iditir. The writers may have used different groups of women to tell this story. I mean, in many places in the first three Gospels at least, they differ in terms of what they want to achieve with the story of Jesus, the theology that they convey. And Matthew and Mark, by the way, also says, uh, tell us that these women were standing at a distance and not close to the cross. What does it mean that Jesus assigned the care of his mother to the beloved disciple? In the Roman Catholic tradition, many interpret this as that the disciple whom Jesus loved, and by extension all his disciples, came under the care of Mary, and thus she received new rights and duties, and therefore they address Mother Mary in prayer. Other Catholic interpreters understand, like us, that Jesus entrusts the care of his mother to the disciple whom he loved. And so, brothers and sisters, if this is true, we think we have that special text for a sermon for Mother's Day. You know, one that I read this week, while on the cross, the Lord Jesus still had care and concern for his mother, Mary. Seeing her there, he handed her over to the care of the disciple whom he loved. And it may be true. But who is the disciple whom Jesus loved? I mean, the other... Gospels say nothing about men, least of all, at the, uh, all the disciples at the cross. And suddenly John tells us that the beloved disciple was standing next to his mother. One of the mysteries of the gospel according to John is precisely the identity of the disciple whom Jesus loved. And which keeps theologians busy even to this day. There are, of course, a long list of mainly male name suggestion, suggestions. John Mark and John the son of Zebedee and John the elder and Apollos and Paul and Benjamin and Philip and Judas and Matthias. And an almost endless list of names and suggestions. But as I said, all these men, uh, all these figures are men. And so a more recent article and the PhD was done on another suggestion. What if the author of the gospel and the beloved disciple was not a man but a woman? What if it was Mary Magdalene? You see, there are two gospels which are not in our Bibles, the gospel according to Philip and the gospel according to Mary, which name Mary Magdalene as the most beloved disciple. And according to the suggestion of the, the writers, the writer of the Gospel of John, John could deliberately and intentionally have turned Mary Magdalene 
into an anonymous male figure, which he called the beloved disciple, to keep her hidden in a repressive environment where women were not in leadership roles. I mean, we do read in the Gospels of many women who are portrayed in discipleship roles, women who follow Jesus and learn from him, who take care of his needs, who confess him, but they are never called disciples. Maybe if it was a female, it would explain when we read near the cross of Jesus where his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing next to her, he said to his mother. So maybe we have an answer. But brothers and sisters, I do know this is totally confusing. And what does it have to do with where we are today? You see, I, I believe that John wanted to create confusion at the cross. John wanted us to stop and to think and maybe argue a little bit. And to find ourselves in this story. Maybe find ourselves as the disciple whom Jesus loved. You see, John is writing to his community. And it was a closed community. To them and to us, he explained that the theological implications of the birth and the life and the death of Jesus is that God began a new creation. A new creation which is expressed in a new family here on earth. You remember that the gospel according to John begins with a well-known phrase, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And now here from the cross, Jesus again calls his mother woman. and refers to the second creation story in Genesis 2, which we have read this morning. This one, who creates me joy, shall be called woman. The mother of Jesus, called woman by him, appears in John's story only at the wedding in Cana, right at the beginning, reminding us of the first human couple, and here at the cross. And John, brothers and sisters, wants to take us back, wants to let us understand the implications of the life and the death of Jesus. And we understand it best when we know the story of the first family, the story of a family who failed in the beginning, and then understand that in, by extension in the life of Jesus, a new family restored in and through the death of the Messiah is constituted here on earth. And John creates this confusion because he didn't want us to get the names right. Didn't want us to identify exactly who are supposed to be part of the new family of God. Maybe this unknown beloved disciple can be any one of us. Those on whom Jesus relies to restore relationships to be his new family. The king of the Jews died fully human on the cross as a vulnerable, vulnerable human in his suffering, sharing all the emotions that we know, being forsaken by what he thought could be his family, his disciples. And in the last act, he restored the notion of family in a new way, caring for one another 
taking each other into your home, so to speak. And in the confusion of the Uzu at the cross and in the mystery of God dying on the cross, the new family of God, the church of God is created. And the widow mother finds a son or maybe a daughter. A reconstituted family becomes the new normal for God's family on earth so that we can experience life eternal among brothers and sisters when we live as this family. And so, brothers and sisters, a new chapter begins for God's people. Amen.